0: Alright, here we are. Let's see how this goes. Alright. Can't see if anyone else is there. Hopefully, you are. I'm not sure if I have to hit finish or what the whole deal is. Hey, Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, here we are. We're live. I got one person watching. Ah, that away, Miss Lynn. Um. Well, we started a little early. Uh, we got one minute to go, so I'm just going to wait a second or two. Um, as a pastor, uh, we uh, we do hate uh, to cancel services, uh, but it's, it's, it was it was the right call. Uh, we want to make sure everyone was safe. Uh, just so you know, so far, um, people I've talked to, uh, no one's really has, has lost power. Haven't heard anything uh, bad yet. Just a few limbs have fallen. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll uh, me and the deacons and the elders will contact folks and. If anyone needs help with broken limbs or uh, any of that sort of thing, we'll uh, spread word uh, throughout the church to make sure that people are aware uh, of things. So I hope everyone's safe and sound there in, uh, in their homes and dry. I know the, the weather has been pounding. It's pretty hard. So, Well, here's the, the plan for today. So I know that this is uh, the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning. when Normally, we're all together uh, in the gathering at church. Uh, so obviously, we can't do it today because of the weather. Um, what I decided to do was... I take today and uh, give a kind of a, an overview of what God has done in the life of the church over the last six years. So um, when uh, this Sunday we were supposed to celebrate Homecoming, 111 years uh, as, as a church family, um, and that's a wonderful thing. And we think about all the things that God has done in, in our church over the last 111 years is pretty amazing. Uh, so a couple uh, probably about a month ago uh, I was talking to someone at the State Convention uh, someone at the State Convention he goes have you ever written down your story have you ever told the story of what God has done in the life of uh, Park Baptist Church and and I hadn't so uh, this isn't exactly writing things down uh, but this is me kind of sharing uh, our story um, uh, what God has done in Park Baptist Church's history so as any church uh, the church is a story of people it's not just a story of 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 events and uh, things happening. It's a story of people uh, doing God's work. Uh, God's people doing God's work for the glory of God. That's really what's happened at at Park Baptist Church. Uh, There have been tremendous pastors in the history of Park Baptist Church. Uh, E.B. Hicks, Reverend Fail, uh, Clyde Fox, uh, Shannon Long, Randy Hatcher, uh, B.F. Hawkins. Uh, B.F. Hawkins was probably the most well-known pastor uh, in Park's uh, history. Uh, Park was really founded off of uh, Highland Park Mill, which is just up the road uh, from the church. And as most uh, churches kind of were established to kind of serve the mill community, so Park was a Highland Park Baptist Church originally. and Became uh, shortened to Park Baptist Church. Um, like every church, uh, every uh, is like kind of like a person; they're alive. Uh, so there are seasons of joy and, and then seasons of uh, of trial. Um, really, the the like I said before, B.F. Hawkins was the most well-known pastor in Park Baptist Church's uh, history. Uh, he he pastored from 1944 to 1958 for 14 years, and under his ministry, the church really kind of grew. That's when uh, the, the current building that we are in now, it was built in 1952, and that's what um, under his leadership. And it's amazing to think about the people who came to Christ under his ministry and kind of grew uh, under his ministry. His, his ministry really has, still has a legacy today, as many folks were in the church uh, today because, because of him, uh, most notably probably uh, Max Phillips, who you all know. I came to Christ under his ministry, was converted at the age of 19, walked the aisle, and is living uh, for the Lord uh, faithfully ever since. Um, I'm grateful for his ministry. I I prayed often that God would give me a ministry like his to kind of have the span of of generations. And what they've said about his ministry is that he really uh, gathered a lot of young people towards him and really kind of helped grow those young people to be the the foundation of the church, and many were served as deacons and uh, leaders for years. Uh, Well, after BF was the pastor. Clyde Fox became the pastor. He actually pastored for longer than, than Pastor Hawkins. He was there for 17 years. And uh, was sta- stable and, and steady. Just a, just a faithful uh, man of God. And as you've kind of seen, as uh, after his ministry, the church uh, part kind of mirrored the culture of most churches. Uh, kind of gradually declined uh, over the years. So maybe hit its, its height in the in the 60s. And kind of a low, slow trickle uh, af- after that. Um, partly because of the culture. Uh, Partly, I I think, because of the church. Uh, We we know that the evil one, Satan, wants to lie, kill, and destroy. And there's different seasons in Parks history that have have caused mass exodus uh, that that happened uh, in the church, which um, caused many folks to to leave. Um, And yet God still moved in the church. God was always still moving in the church. The word of God was still preached. Uh, Members were still caring for one another. Uh, People were still praising the name of Christ through song and through, through prayer. One of the challenges that happens when um, you, a church goes through crisis, what it usually does is it insulates itself. We want to protect ourselves. We want to care for ourselves uh, rather than going out and reach uh, the the community. Uh, so one of the things that kind of happened over the years is that Park really tried to care for each other, which I think is, in in one sense, is a good impulse to to care for each other, to make sure people are cared for well. And the church did that very very well. Uh, the the church itself, the core group, was always. A church that cared well for itself. I've done many uh, funerals of our senior saints, and they've said, "We well, just praise God for how the church cared uh, for uh, each other." Well, the kind of the church kind of declined over the years, and it got to a point when maybe 60 or 70 people were, were kind of left, and uh, the church was without, without a pastor. And then you know, I became the pastor in, in 2012. So, just a kind of quick story about how my story kind of connects with. The church's story. Uh, I think that they're kind of they're kind of related. So God is doing, one million things all the time. Uh, John Piper says, and we may be aware of one or two of them. God is just moving. So uh, what the Lord had had did with my story is I I came to Christ at age of sixteen. I grew up in a Lutheran church, a non or a, a liberal Lutheran church. I didn't really hear the gospel, according to my recollection, the gospel didn't strike me while I was in church. Uh, it struck me when I was sixteen uh, at a young Life camp. Um, so from 16 to 20, uh, I kind of grew in the Lord a little bit, but it was kind of one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. And at the age of 20, I got serious about the Lord. And when I got serious about the Lord, it was really pure parachurch ministries: navigators, young life, uh, campus of for Christ, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, InterVarsity, you name the parachurch, and I was involved with it. I saw evangelism, and discipleship, so things I saw in the New Testament not happening in a local church, but happening in parachurch ministry. So that's what I, I kind of moved my my life towards the parachurch. Well, at 25. I met uh, Pastor Mark uh, went. My wife and I came on Wednesday night to Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. And uh, Mark just said, hey, I'd love to grab, grab a cup of coffee with you or lunch. I said, sure. You know, It's weird, but fine. <laughs> so we, we went and uh, had lunch. And that was the beginning of my eyes opening to the centrality of the local church and God's mission to, to reach, the, reach the world and to glorify his name. I saw at Capitol Hill a church doing evangelism. A church that was doing discipleship, a church that was multi-generational and multi-ethnic, loving each other for the glory of God, submitting to the Word of God, to sing the praises of God. Uh, so over those two years, meeting with uh, meeting with Mark, uh, Deborah, and, and reading different books and writing papers and thinking about the centrality of the church, in the context of the church, I am so forever... Um, Indebted to the ministry of Capitol Hill Baptist Church and not just Mark Dever but the ministry of the church because being in the church, you get a glimpse, you get a taste of what God wants for His church a church that, that loves and hungers after the word of, of God. So when I saw that there, uh, I really wanted to give my life to helping create that somewhere else. Uh, my wife and I moved from um, Washington DC and we moved to South Carolina I took a job uh, with the Clemson, Clemson University that's right Clemson University Luke Youth Learning Institute former uh, Clemson employee uh, so I, I ended up running a group home uh, for teenage mothers for five years and while I was there I the Lord kind of crystallized my calling uh, There was a church that didn't have a pastor and I went there and said hey if you ever need someone to preach I'd be happy to teach I was in full-time ministry in, in DC um, to prepare a church and uh, I said sure well I started preaching at this church Emmanuel Baptist Church and uh, there uh, when I got there the church was uh, struggling they, they lacked hope, they were disunified and uh, just through the regular preaching of God's word um, over six months the church became united and hopeful in the gospel and when I finished my time there I was kind of surprised, I was kind of looked at the church and I said this is interesting and I said Lord is this what you want me to do with my life Do you want to have me give my life to the preaching of of the Word of God? And uh, it was very clear that's what he wanted me to do. So I I went through seminary, uh, finished up uh, seminary, started actually serving that church as a a pastor of discipleship, uh, learning uh, how to do ministry, how to love God's people, how to preach God's Word, how to care for people in crisis, how to do funerals and weddings, just the things that that normal pastors do. Uh, My wife and I were kind of wrapping up um, seminary, I say my wife and I is because she had to help edit all my books, so it was uh, as much her as me finishing seminary. And uh, my wife and I were thinking, where, where should we go? You know, we were thinking about the Midwest, uh, where, I, where I was from, the Northeast, or the West, just a, a lot of need for the Gospel. And uh, the more and more we thought and prayed, the more and more we just felt the Lord calling us back near Rock Hill. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were able to care for Ellen's mom and her sister. Uh, As, um, you know, as our mom kind of retired and as her her just be there for the family, uh, my pastor said, you know, God cares about how you pastor more than where you pastor. So he said, okay, let's, let's, let's do that. So in December 2011, uh, God uh, just pressed upon our heart to start praying. God, we pray that you would give us an older, dying Baptist church near downtown Rock Hill, South Carolina. And January 18th, um, three weeks later, uh, I got a call from Bobby Schellenberger, uh, chairman of the search committee, and said, hey, we'd love to talk with you more uh, about our church. Uh, They came in February uh, 5th to hear me preach. Uh, I came to view of a call on April 1st and was called to be the pastor. My first Sunday was July 1st, 2012. And God has got a sense of humor because Park Baptist Church literally is one step (laughs) outside of downtown. You could not get any closer to downtown than Park Baptist Church. And uh, that has been our heart to kind of go there and plant our lives uh, in that congregation. So, uh, but that, I think that's important because when we see like the, the history of the church and kind of where where it had had gotten to, and it said, you know by the time I got there in uh, July first, twenty twelve, it was about seventy members. The average age was seventy. There hasn't been a lot of baptism. There wasn't a whole lot of children in the nursery, maybe two. Um, and it was just a church that was just kind of kind of there, loving each other well, but not, maybe not loving. The lost and just kind of in a stagnant stagnant place. So what I want to share with you over the next little bit is that over the last six years, here's the philosophy of ministry uh, that God has used to help grow our church. And the reason why I want to share this now is because our church is experiencing a little bit of growth. And one of the questions people have been asking me, how do we maintain this? How do we maintain our church being, having this culture, culture of evangelism, cultural discipleship, culture of, of loving one another? Well, I think that it's, it's, it's what this... Um, uh, this, this four kind of prong approach of philosophy of ministry that, that myself and Lord willing, the elders are going to help uh, continue to implement. So, uh, this four things that are not my own, really I got them from, from Mark Dever and just watching that ministry change from an older church to a vibrant church that is is doing much good in the world for the kingdom. Uh, preach, pray, love, stay. Preach, pray, love, stay. Those are the four things that Lord willing, uh, God has uh, has helped me um, live by these last four, these last six years, those four things, and we're willing. will do so in the future. So the first one is preach the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to uh, Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. This really is, um, I believe, the the calling of all pastors. Uh, so Colossians chapter one uh, says uh, verse twenty eight. It says, "Him we proclaim, Him being the Lord Jesus Christ." We know that the foundation of the church is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Messiah, is the Lord, is the Savior of the world, the eternal Son of God. Him we proclaim. That means the pastors, preachers, apostles, whoever you are, preach Christ and Him crucified. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. So I believe that that comes from the Word of God It's our job to proclaim, to to announce, to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, teaching and warning everyone to live according to that. We see in Second uh, First Timothy chapter six that teaching accords with godliness. It says, "We do that that we may present everyone mature in Christ." The goal of all pastors is that people under their care would become like the Lord Jesus. They'd be transformed into the image of the Son. So, my ministry at Park Baptist Church and the preaching of God's Word is to help people under my care to become mature in Christ. And, And Paul says, "This is what I'm giving my life to for this." I toil, struggling with all his energy that so powerfully works within me. This is not the, the strength that is in is in me or is in pastors, it's the strength of the of the Holy Spirit of God that he fills his people to preach the word of God, proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ and drawing men unto himself. So the goal of, of any of any ministry, of any church, is to proclaim Christ. Now, the challenge is, is that we don't proclaim Christ only on Sunday morning, which I think a lot of churches kind of I think they, they get wrong. I think that they they, they they put a primacy on the preaching of God's Word, which is excellent. Praise the Lord for preaching and, and the primacy of the preaching of God's Word on Sunday morning. But that's not the only place where the Word of God is called to go forth. I think I see this in Paul's ministry. So if you want to just kind of go back a few chapters and go to Acts chapter uh, 20. In Acts chapter 20, what we see here is is Paul's last charge to the Ephesian elders. And this is what he wants them to do when he, when he leaves. And in Acts 20, verse... 18, this is, when they came to him, he said to them, to the elders, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time for the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable, teaching the word of God, the whole thing, did not shrink, taught everything, from teaching you in public, amen, the preaching of God's word, and from house to house. Testifying both to Jews and the Greeks to, of repentance towards God and to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, so Paul's ministry was marked not only with the public proclamation of God's word, but also in house to house. It's taking the word of God and and having it reverberate. I love Jonathan uh, Lehman's phrase in his book, Word Center Church, to reverberate like 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 electricity. Right, you have the power company, and it kind of that's the the word of God goes forth on Sunday and it kind of spreads throughout the The week among God's people, and that's what we wanted to do: is we want to take the Word of God, we want to have it shape and sharpen every aspect of the church's life. So, if I'm only preaching the Word on Sunday and not doing it in relationships, one-on-one, one-on-two, or small groups, then we are we are failing. God wants His Word to affect every area of our life, and that's exactly what happened in in early on our ministry. We preached the Word of God, and then we just tried to have the Word of God go forth. So, uh, early on, we have discipleship times. Uh, One and uh, me and a couple people. I started out with maybe me and Chris Gross were meeting. We still meet uh, weekly reading God's Word. Uh, Andy Green and Kyle Griswold. I I met every other week with our senior saints walking through different books of the Bible. We just want the Word of God centered. And that's what the ministry of the preaching of God's Word is to do publicly and from house to house. And really the calling of of what I wanted to do was really do what Paul told Timothy uh, as he began his ministry there. So when Timothy Uh, chapter 4. I'm talking fast. I know it's all good. Uh, In 1 Timothy chapter uh, 4, he says this to to Timothy. He says in verse 11, uh, Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. So the man of God who's called to teach the word of God is called to live a godly life. Right? Let no one despise him because of his young, but to set an example. See the same thing from Peter's ministry. He says as a fellow elder, set an example to the flock. Then he says this until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. Give yourselves to the word of God. I've always viewed myself as a pastor to to be a handmaiden for the word of God, to have the word of God go forth again and again. So how we dress, how we how we live, everything that we do is designed to make the word of God attractive and profitable for the people of, of God. It says do not neglect the gifts you have which was given to you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands in you, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on your life and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save yourself and your hearers. So I want you to, I can't underscore the importance of this enough, right? Those of you who are elders now, those of you who, who desire to be elders, is to give yourselves to the word of God, to immerse yourselves in the things of God, so that the people who who view your life will see you growing. And don't just do that for a time. It says persist in this. Giving a close watch to to your life and how you live and the teaching. So that after um so after after preaching, Paul says that I would not be disqualified. Okay? Persist in this. So you can say both yourself and your hearers to so the preaching of God's word and staying faithful to the preaching of God's word and guarding your life so that you would live according to the teaching of God's word is to save you. We know that our obedience doesn't save you. So we are not saved by works done righteous. We are saved by the mercy of God. But we want to hold fast to the teaching of God's word so that we can continue to live according to God's word. Now we know that the word of God is, is that important. Maybe we see that in. in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God or woman of God, for that matter, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And then Paul says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, by his appearing in his kingdom, this weighty charge, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. I remember when um, I've heard this often from Mark Dever. He said, when he came to uh, Capitol Hill Baptist Church, he says, I am fine to have everything fall apart in this church except for the preaching of God's Word. Uh, now, we know that's probably an over exaggeration, maybe a little bit over dramatic, but in, in, at its core, that's exactly what we want to do. Me as a pastor, I could fail in everything else except for the preaching of God's Word. That is what I am mandated by God to do, is to preach the Word. And I'm so grateful that we have a church that loves the Word of God, that delights in hearing the preaching of God's Word. So coming at the church, when the church was 70 people, I think what the Lord allowed me to do is to kind of help rekindle a love for God's Word among the people. Uh, I preached a little bit longer sermons. I prayed a little bit longer prayers. But that's really all I did in terms of change early on, just preach and pray, preach and pray. And I think through the preaching of God's word, it did one of two things. I think it either upset people and caused some to, to leave. But I think it, what it did for others, it just, it allowed, it, it rekindled a passion for the Lord. This kind of, this simmering kind of happened among the people of God and made them desire more and more of the word of God. I love what Paul writes in First Thessalonians 2, verse 13. It says that the, that you accept it, you receive the Word of God as what it really is, not as the Word of men, but as the Word of God, which is at work in you believers. And I think that's the main cause of growth in a church, is the preaching of God's Word. But here's the thing. Every church is going to be in danger of moving away from the preaching of God's Word and trusting in other things. Uh, Trusting in social media, trusting in advertisement, pragmatism, trusting in these other things to grow the church. Well, no, 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 no. We are always in danger of that. We are always tempted as a pastor to not trust the word of God, but to trust other means. Especially during those early years, when you're preaching and people aren't coming, you know, just because you preach the word of God doesn't mean your church is going to grow, right? But just talk to talk to pastors who preach the word of God faithfully. That doesn't always mean it's going to happen, right? But that's still our calling: is to preach the word of God and to to do it publicly and from house to house. And I think that over those first several years, what we were doing is we were establishing a foundation for a loving of the Word of God. first sermon I preached was Colossians chapter, the whole book of Colossians. And the reason why that was important was well, partly because I wanted to teach people what my job was in Colossians 1, but also I wanted people to love Christ. And Colossians is such a beautiful book to have the supremacy of Christ in all things. So I wanted our church to be foundation. I found the foundation of who we were is to be Jesus Christ and then crucified. And then we went on to the, the Gospel of Luke. Well, why did we teach the Gospel of Luke? Because, it's because we had a hard time Loving the lost. We get a hard time loving loving the poor. We worked through the, the Gospel of Luke for two years. And what God did over those two years is kind of gradually shaped and moved the people of God to love the lost and to love the poor, which I'll get uh, at in a in a second. So when we think about the, 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 the four-pronged philosophy of ministry, number one, the preaching of God's Word. So if you're new to to Park Baptist Church I pray that you are enjoying yourself and encouraged by your time with us just know that the main our main ministry is is the word of God. We want the word of God to be preached and we want the word, the, the people of God to receive that word. We're trying to shape everything that we do around the word of God. Uh, I think that we want to be the aroma of God uh, to people we want to draw those who are being saved and you know God's going to you know more and more in our day we are going to um, push people away because of our stance on holding true to uh, the scriptures. But when Jesus Christ is lifted up, when his name is exalted, he will draw all men and women to himself. Well, not only do we, we preach the word of God, uh, we preach the word of God, but the second thing is we pray. Um, God's work is established by by prayer. and I think too often we, we neglect uh, prayer. I mean, I, I shared this on Wednesday night a few weeks ago, but Um, It's amazing to think about how God has answered prayers at Park. Um, My prayer when I first came to Park was this. I said, Lord, I pray that those senior saints who have been here forever, I pray that you would allow them to see a glimpse of your glory here at Park so that they would think the best days of our church are ahead and not behind. I prayed that prayer so much during those first uh, several years. And about Five months ago, uh, maybe not that long, maybe four months ago, Max uh, told me, um, he said, Pastor, I've been here for a long time, 80 plus years. And he says, I've never seen the church as alive as it is today. That's just so humbling. God delights to answer prayer. A few weeks ago uh, at the door, uh, John Whitaker was kind of leaving and he says, isn't it amazing how God answers prayers? So we were praying that God would send us visitors, and he's doing it. And it just kind of arrested me for a second, because for years, those of you who don't know, we want to be a church that is kingdom-minded, that is, cooperates with other churches, so our main goal at, as, at Park is not to have the biggest church in town. That's not our goal. Our goal is to be faithful unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We want God's name to be glorified. And if he grows another church down the street, praise be his name. So for years, I just would not pray that God would send his visitors. I pray to God would make us faithful." And the Lord just kind of said, you know, Dave, God is doing a wonderful thing in in your church. He's he's moving and and you should want more people to experience that. Uh, So I said, you know, let us just pray that God would grow our number." We were also just struggling to to pay our bills and said, Lord, God, please just bring us visitors. Uh, give us favor with people who don't have church homes and those who who don't know the Lord. he did. <laughs> Over the last several months, we've had people who are just coming and coming and coming. and uh, We have maybe 40 to 50 people who are thinking about joining and becoming part of our, our community in the last three months. It's just amazing what God, God is doing. But notice, it's because he responded to the prayers of God's people. Uh, two years ago, three years ago, I started praying to God, would you help us reach our community? Would you help us give us a passion for the lost? And then God brought in the Hinson family. And if you know Amber and, and Grant, they love the lost and they love the poor and the marginalized. And their, their heart has kind of spread throughout our, our congregation. God answers prayers through, 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 through people, mostly, right? God gives us people to, 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 to do the things He wants to do. God moves through prayer. So part of the job of the elders uh, is to pray. You know, we, we pray. So when we meet, just so you know, uh, we meet, and the first thing that we do is we pray. We just go through our membership and we pray through what God is, what's happening in the life of, of the body, individuals. So if you are a, a member of the church and you have a prayer request, please let us know. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll hear this and I'll say, well, Pastor, I don't want to bother you. I don't want to burden you. Beloved, our burden is you. Our, our life's calling is to help you find Christ and become mature in Him. You are never a burden, right? You are, are the burden that God has given us, right? Does that make sense? So you're not a burden in the negative sense, but you are our burden, meaning that we are driven by. We are, our passion is, is you to help you grow in Christ. So please let us know your prayer request so we can be praying uh, for you. So uh, we, we think about the Lord Jesus, and you know, he taught his people to pray. or He taught them the Lord's prayer, a great, a great prayer. Uh, the Apostle Paul has wonderful prayers, prayers that I pray for you and that the elders pray for you, Philippians 1, 9-11, uh, Colossians 1, 9-14, uh, Ephesians one through 15-18, these prayers that we're praying over you, that your eyes would be open, that you would have all wisdom, that you would reflect the, the, the knowledge of, of Christ. So uh, I would encourage you uh, to continue to pray for one another. God is not just called elders to pray, but he's called you to pray. As the members of a Park Baptist Church, you have been commanded by God to pray for one another. I pray that if you don't have a membership directory, you say, Pastor, give me a membership directory. I want to know people's names. Why? So you can be praying for them. That every day you could pray for a sheet and you could say, I want to pray for, and knowing what's going on in people's lives, there's nothing like when God's people pray. So preach, pray. Love. Love. Praise God for the love of Park Baptist Church. Uh, I did not bring love into Park Baptist Church. Man, that church has been one of the most loving, welcomingest church I've ever been a part of, right? Uh, and I pray that, uh, like First Thessalonians says, uh, First Thessalonians is, is a wonderful passage about uh, chapter 4. It says this. It says, um, now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. And that is the history of Park Baptist Church. They have been taught by God to love one another. And what a great thing to be a pastor and come into a community that that loves each other well. Uh, Jesus says that you know when you love each other, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Praise God for your love for one another. But then he says this. He says, for that, indeed, you are doing through all brothers who Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. We just want our love to grow. We want our love to grow in knowledge of the inside so that we can be pure and blameless children of God. We want to be ready for when the Lord comes back. We want to have our love grow. So I, I think that our love has grown in, in loving people who are not like us. So I think that the, the love that we have between the older and the younger has been a mark of our church over the last several years. So those of you who are new to the church, both older and younger, I pray that you would love each other who are not like yourselves. Right? That you would reach down those of you who are older, and you would reach up those who are younger. So you would truly love each other well. But also, I think we've grown in loving people who are not like us in in, in diversity, in ethnicity. Right? Uh, you know, Park, as many Southern Baptist churches have have a, have a don't have the greatest reputation when it comes to loving people who are different than them, uh, people of of, of who are not the majority culture, and praise God that that is changing at Park. That's an act of God. It's an act of God to see people who are who are a polar opposites love each other in the name of Christ. I think you know, just there's so many examples that I, that I could give, but I'm just so grateful that our church is growing in that. And I just pray, as Paul said, that we would do so more and more. I pray that it would be our prayer as a as a body. So when we think about the church, right, we think about preaching of the word, praying for God's spirit to move, and the love that we have between each other. When, when that happens, God's spirit is, is moving. God's spirit is always moving, but I think he manifests his presence. He manifests His the movement of God even more so when a church is, is submitting to the word of God, when they are praying for God to move, and when they are loving each other for the glory of God, right? And the last ministry thing is Stay. When you're trying to change a culture like God has changed at, at Park Baptist Church, it does not happen overnight. Period. And there have been times over the last six years when I did not know if God was going to turn the church around. Just 100% honesty, I just thought, well, maybe the Lord wants this church to die. And God is giving me here to, 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 to preach the word as, as a judgment against this body and have us die. <laughs> I really thought that for, for several times. Uh, but the Lord, through His grace and through His steady persistence, if you go back to Second Timothy 4, it says, can preach the word in season, out of season, rebuking and exhorting and correcting with complete patience. You just got to preach the word. You preach the word and you're patient. And you're patient. So, those of you, can I make an application for, to many of you who have people in your life that you may have given up on? Can I pray you not to give up? I pray that you would just preach the word patiently. Um, Kindly, gently encouraging them to trust in the Lord, and then just, if nothing else, just pray and be patient, because that's what God asks us to do. Just love, preach, pray, love, stay. I think all these things have helped change um, Park Baptist Church. Um, you know, I remember early on, uh, I mean, my third year of pastoral ministry at Park, I was really discouraged, and I just didn't see a lot of God moving, God turning the the, the, the culture of the ship, and. Uh, I remember calling a friend of mine and saying, "Hey, listen, I'm struggling, and I don't know how to get through this." He says, "I want you to 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 to, to listen to a message from John Piper on uh, Charles Simeon." And uh, Charles Simeon was a was a uh, English uh, pastor, uh, and he uh, his first uh, twelve years they locked the pews. He preached on me on Sunday night. The ch- pastor, the church didn't want him there back then. They people owned their own pew, uh, and they 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 locked the pews. No one came to hear, and hear him preach. Except for people would come and sit, stay on the outside to hear him preach. They locked the peace for 12 years. Just a picture of discouragement, and yet God kept him being faithful. Uh, he served that church for 50 years. And I remember cutting my grass uh, out there, listening to that story, and just God just says, "Just press on, press on, continue. Uh, press on to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." So I think all those things. Well, that's not specific things, but I think those are just a the general uh, temperature of what God has has put in me through the training of uh, of Mark Dever, Capital Baptist Church, ministries like Nine Marks, uh, the Word of God, I believe those things are, are there, the preaching, the praying, the loving, and then just continuing to do it, walk, you know, wash, wash, rinse, and repeat, right? You do the same thing over and over and over again and watch God move. That's the kind of the, the foundation of what we want, right, in terms of the ministry that God has given me at heart. So if you are new to the church, I pray that you would see that's our ministry, that's our DNA. Our DNA is, to, to, is to, it's the word of God, praying for God's spirit to move in and loving each other, right? If we do those things well and we do that consistently and faithfully over time, God is going to grow our church. Now, um, what events happened, right? So why did this thing turn around, right? There's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors who have that same vision but don't see the the, 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 the ship turn. So what happened with our church? Why did we change? Well, here's just a couple things in God's sovereignty and his wisdom, what he has done, right? Uh, because, when I look back at the church, and I can look back what God is doing in our church now, I can only say that what has happened has been because of God. It's been a work of God. There is no other logical explanation what God has done in Park Baptist Church outside of His grace and His favor. We can't explain it. Okay? But here's some of the events that happened that, that in God's sovereignty He used to, to change our church. Uh, number one, um, an, an, a, 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 an intentional... Prayerful focus on reaching college students. An intentional prayerful focus on reaching common students, uh, and it was not by design. Uh, we were looking to to kind of care for our church family. Uh, we had a couple uh, middle schoolers and someone going into high school. So you know, we need to uh, care for these families well. So we 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 went out and looked, and we found Casey and uh, Casey Espa came on as our, our director of, of youth and. Uh, For the time we were just director of you because we didn't have any college students. We we barely had youth. We said, Part of your job is to help bring in in youth. And uh, within the first several um, months, we lost those families who had youth. Um, But what we started doing is we, Casey came to me and said, Listen, I have six guys in, in my life that are hungry. They're believers, but they've never been discipled. So would you disciple them? I said, Sure. And that first batch of guys that we started discipling, we meeting with Monday Night for Bible Study was, was Travis Bullard, was John Whitaker, was Ben Oliver, uh, was Weston Beck, you know, and we just started reading the Word of God and praying. And I didn't invite them to church, just read the Word of God and prayed, read the Word of God and prayed together. And after six months, that group of six became ten, and that group of ten became fifteen. Not just guys, but guys and gals, and we've been doing that for, for four and a half years now, and it's not rocket science. What do we do? Those of you who've been to our college Bible studies know we, it's not anything dramatic. We open the Word of God, we teach the Word of God, we ask questions, we pray, <laughs> and that's it. But that's in the context of a church family that loves each other, and a church family that is, that is praying. praying, church family that is that is staying. But the, the beauty of that is, is it's, it's, we had these college students, and we started working intentionally. But it wasn't just that we, we had just college students. It was the kind of college students that God brought us. Because there's a lot of college students who only are really worried about themselves and their careers and their futures. But the ones that God gave us, God broke their heart for the church. Uh, so when they came, I, I would tell them, First Corinthians 13, I said, listen, love does not insist on its own way. We are not going to look like the church that you desire. Right? Our music may not be what you want. Our, our The makeup of our congregation may not be attractive to you. But I want you to lay that down for the sake of others. And I promise you, if you lay down your preferences for the sake of others, you will grow in Christ. Because Paul said to Timothy that everyone cares for their own interests, but not cares for the interests of Jesus Christ. Timothy, I have no one else like him. So if you want to grow, I pray that you would lay down your preferences for the sake of the body. And by God's grace, they did, <laughs> you know, they did, they came and they, they loved and, and cared well for our, our church family. You know, uh, I remember when um, Ben Oliver and John Whitaker had a lunch with Dan and Connie. One lunch started a, a four-year friendship, right? You know, and of course we had um, we had brothers uh, uh, and sisters in the church who were older who just loved young people, right? We had that smiling uh, Omen Hollis and Louise. Uh, always greeting college students. We had um, Jerry Green and and Ellen welcoming college students into their home, Uh, and then the rest of our body just was so gratefully opening up their their lives to young people. I knew that God was doing something in our midst when when Jerry Green announced that he had cancer. And uh, when he said that he had cancer and I looked across the room and there was tears among our college students. Well, there's something that God is doing there, right? Now, just full disclosure, I'm worried that we're going to lose that, right? I'm worried that God's going to lose that. As, as our church grows and God has been so faithful to bring new people in, we have to fight uh, to make sure that we maintain that time of, of relational connectivity, that, that relational pouring out of, of ourselves for others. Uh, that's one of the reasons why God changed our church, and, and God changed the whole makeup of our church through our college students, right? Uh, our, our, our older folks did no longer despise young people, but they rejoiced in them that God was bringing new folks, right? Folks who didn't look like them and didn't have the same preferences. And there were some that wanted, hey, listen, they better change and become like us. And there were others saying, we will take you as you are, and we will welcome you in. For those are the ones who stayed by God's grace, have changed our congregation. Um, some of my greatest joy as a pastor is to watch young people grow. Right? Uh, right now, that we have had young people uh, grow and go into the mission field and go into seminary, um, serving on staff well, because of the ministry of Park Baptist Church. I'm forever grateful for that. The other things that I, I can't mention in details, but there's been several times with our, with our leaders uh, that they had to take a stand for godliness. They had to make a stand and say, you know, we are going to be a church that loves truth and loves righteousness and loves godliness, uh, and there have been specific moments over the last six years where our leadership has been tested. And because of the character of the men in our leadership, they stood stood strong and said, we are going to be people who love truth. And that's one of the reasons why I think God has given us favor to change our church, is that we have chosen not partiality, but we have chosen to love all of God's people through the word of, of God. Um it's a testimony really of the Godly man that God has brought into our congregation. Uh, the other thing I think that God has done specifically, and I mentioned this kind of very briefly, is how God has turned our heart for the poor. Uh, so before I, I got to Park, um, our, our church, we had some people in our church who really wanted to reach the poor and just kind of didn't really happen. And um, and I think there was one thing that kind of happened, the last, kind of last straw, caused some people to leave because we weren't really to work to care for the poor. Um, and then uh, Robert Baker uh, was chairman of the Deacons, and he said, uh, Pastor, I really want to think about caring for the poor, and maybe work with the homeless, and possibly have a homeless shelter. Um, but, well, God stirred that in Robert. and you know, Robert's been part of Park Baptist Church since he's 15. You know, he's over 30 now. That's right. He's old. But the dad, Awesome. And uh, so he, um, he said, let's care for the poor. And uh, so I called the, the, the YBA and said, hey, we'd love to think about caring for the poor. And, well, actually, they're, they're, they need a warming center. Uh, They need an overflow warming center, so I'm going to open up their doors for the poor. Uh, So at that time, you know, myself and the the, the deacon just called a church family meeting, and uh, we just said, Hey, beloved, this is what the church wants. That that the church wants, that the area wants uh, us to open our doors to care for the poor. And uh, Mary Sanford, a godly woman, uh, just spoke up and said, Pastor, I believe this is something that Jesus would want us to do. And after she spoke, you could have heard a pin drop. But not just a pin drop; you can almost feel the energy of God's people just saying, "Amen." Uh, so we opened our, our church doors and, and housed the homeless for three months uh, in our church building. Uh, the following year, we housed them for two months a building we acquired, and um, three 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 months uh, three weeks at our church. And this week, this year, we're going to do it again. But, and not just that; we housed the the, the poor in our church. But we saw people who were willing to have their lives shaped around loving the poor. Uh, so we had men and women going to have meals with these folks, sharing the gospel with these folks, praying for these folks. And if you see the, the ministry of, of men like Chris Gross and Andy Green and, and Robert Baker and Daniel Huddleston and David Huddleston going and sharing and shepherding those those men, it just does your heart proud to be a pastor. And I think because we are, are, and remember I said Luke, right? Luke happened for two years, and that was the the bathing of the Word of God among the people of God, creating a heart for the lost and for the poor among our people. Then, when God brought new life into our church, it was natural for them to move in that direction. But I don't think it would have happened if we didn't preach through the Gospel of Luke, and the people of God didn't let the Word of God simmer for uh, for two uh, years. So, college students. Um, godliness, the poor. I think another thing that God has used is our internship, right? So uh, we started an internship five years ago now, and uh, what we do is we take two or, or three men uh, to our to our church and uh, just teach them what the Bible says about leadership, and what what the Bible says about being a pastor, and loving God's people, and preaching God's word, what does God say about the church, and um, having a, a poor ecclesiology has just wrecked the church for so many years, and helping people understand church polity and. Baptism and the Lord's Supper, and, and doing that among those men, and now seeing 15 or so men kind of go through that. And those who are, who are leaders in our church now, uh, serving as, as elders and, and, and deacons and, and staff members, and then, and then seeing some of those go on to other places and serve other churches. Well, it's that internship that kind of maybe birthed to kind of help us see the, the passion of Generation Link, which is a ministry that kind of uh, trains up young men and women. Right, uh, that's one of the things that God has kind of exposed, exposed me to about probably year four that we weren't doing a very good job discipling our women and, and training our women to be ministers in the life of, of the church. And I think part of that was because of our connection with Generation Link and seeing how are we asking the question, how are we discipling and training women leaders, and God using you know different women like uh, like Paige and our summer interns with you know, Ashley Porterfield and Annabeth Harris, on first round, and seeing that kind of change our our congregation, right? is because we're pouring into these young people in a very intentional and specific way, and now we're giving them more opportunities to lead our congregation. So I, I, I'm thankful for the church that allows me and some of my time to go towards a discipleship in terms of this internship. I pray that that would happen more and more, and I pray that there would be more. Maybe those who are watching this now it's you know what? I want to be part of that, um, of growing deeper in the faith. I mean, even now, we have Whitaker and Wit and um, Jay and... Chandler and James just really growing in the Lord uh, together. So, um, another thing I think that God has used is just cooperation. I mean, we've done an active job in cooperating with the YBA, uh, the York Baptist Association, um, Rock Hill One. We had that season where we we're trying to work closely with other churches. So, I think our heart has always been for other churches. We want not only our church to grow, we want other churches to grow. Now, God has kind of brought us to connection with the Pillar Network, which is, you know, a a community of like-minded Southern Baptist churches who are doctrinally aligned, which is very important, mission driven committed to fulfilling the Great Commission together. So we are trying to partner with other churches to fulfill the Great Commission, us serving in a mission trip in Boston and Beacon Community Church and uh, us serving uh, other churches in our area that you know, that, are, that are connected to us and we can kind of pool our resources for the mission of, of God. One of the things of God's sovereignty that he brought to us is is, is is our merger that happened last year? You know, think about you know in August um, of uh, before the merger, we were we were not doing great financially. We were struggling and figuring out what we what we'd have to do, and just a lot of things. We were having a good a family that was an anchor to our church uh, move. Uh, what, what's going to happen, Mark? And then God brought this merger to us, you know, Gary and. And Hope just loved the Lord and just wanted their, their church to, to, you know, uh, be left in good hands. And, uh, man, what a sweet blessing that they have been. You know, the, the Huddlestons, both Gary and Hope and Daniel and Jen and David and Belinda, you know, have just been, and, and, Dan, and David Huddleston serving so well and, and serving the homeless. It's just been such an absolute boom for our church, Right. And that same time, we had other families kind of go. So we had, like, we had like this merger, that, and then other families joined that helped us strengthen the foundation of our church. And since then, we've really been able to turn the corner and really do some, some good things for, for the kingdom. And, you know, Gary and I talk to other pastors, and they'll say, you know, we just went through a church merger. Oh, we did too. How's yours going? Because ours went awful. <laughs> and we just say, by God's grace, ours is going wonderfully. Right. And I think that's a testimony of the, the godliness of both our congregation uh, and uh, the, the, the Congregation of Fellowship. Now just one church. Right? We all love uh, being doing ministry together. Um, uh, also, just to just I'm getting kind of near the end, guys. I know you're like, okay, when's it going to end? I'm, I'm landing the plane, okay? Uh, one of the other things I think that we had to do was change our constitution. Uh, when we modified our constitution, we changed our church covenant, right? And we kind of made that more of a prevalent part of our congregation. Uh, But we also changed our polity, right? The congregation is still the final authority. The congregation is the final authority of the church. Uh, But we added a plurality of elders. I'll tell you what, they have been such a blessing. Uh, Gary, uh, Bobby, Simeon, and Grant uh, being able to labor together to shepherd God's people. When you go from a church that's 70 to a church now that maybe this past Sunday we had 200 people in our congregation, but there's no way that one person can care for them. Right? We know biblically that it's not, never been designed that way, uh, but we just were faithful to the Word of God. You know, Baptists have always loved the Bible, and we've always struggled sometimes, maybe we not always, but we have struggled sometimes to live by the Bible. Uh, but because the Bible has been loved in our congregation, we moved our church to have a, a plurality of elders uh, with a constitution that, that is healthy. Um, we even addressed some of our inactive members, right? those who are, are not walking faithfully with the Lord. We're forsaken the gathering together of the saints? That we're able to correct our church membership so that we are an adequate kind of reflection of who we are as a as a church. Um, so all that to say is that God has done some things in our in our lives as a church family, very specific, very unique. Using the, the overall framework of preaching the word, praying, and loving each other, and God has used that with very specific things in the life of our congregation that are unique to us to form us into a church that is healthy and and God glorified now, what's going to happen moving forward, right? So those of you who are, are, are new, those who are old uh, members, um, been with us for a while, we have to fight for unity. We have to fight for unity. The Bible says to, to strive, right? To labor for the unity and the bond of peace. Because God is growing our church, listen, I'm, I'm concerned that we are, are not going to love each other in that midst, right? Because, listen, there are Anybody, anything can kind, of, can kind of be coming to a church that divides a congregation. Well, it could be music, it could be, you know, one group feeling neglected. Um, well, listen, we, we want to fight against that, okay? Anytime God is moving in a place, Satan wants to destroy that. If God is using our church to manifest the presence of God to our community, if God is using our church to have glorified the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, how people understand the gospel that repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. If God is in our church for that, you better believe that Satan wants to, 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 to thwart that. He wants to capture some people in our, in our body so that he can do their will. So we want to make sure that we're fighting against that. We're praying for for unity. So we want to kind of make an appeal for all of us to, to continue to make the priority, uh, our gatherings together, Wednesday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and build relationships with people who don't look like you, right? It's going to be harder and harder. I feel the stretch myself, and I want to care well for those who are part of our church, and I want to welcome new folks into our congregation at the same time. Like, I'm only one man. I feel stretched, and the elders are, are helping me, and we're balancing how who's going to reach out to who, and, and that sort of thing. And the deacons are doing a wonderful job being, have a deacon family ministry and caring for people's needs. And, they called all our shut-ins this past week and said, hey, listen, how can we serve you? And so we're, we're all doing this as a, as a leadership team. We just, I just pray that you would be praying with us and that you would be helping to that end. Um, I also, I mean, people, are, I said this at the beginning, but people have been saying this recently, Pastor, how do we keep the church like it is? And how do we keep the, the culture of the church as it is? And I think that we, we keep the church, the culture as it is by, by praying, by praying and loving the Word of God and loving each other. Nothing's really changed. We want to preach, pray, and love each other. We want to continue to do that. Uh, but we, we all need to do it, right? When, when you're coming into the culture, and if you have a larger group coming in, sometimes it's harder to maintain our unity and our, our culture. I pray that we would fight and be zealous for health, for spiritual health, and zealous for love among uh, each other. So we going to preach, pray, love, and stay. So as the church moves forward, I I pray that we would understand that we are not perfect and that we have a long way to go. So uh, as we just kind of close, just this time thinking about our our church family, uh, I want to look at uh, Paul's words uh, in Philippians. um, Philippians chapter 3. It's a great passage of Scripture. Um, He begins this way. He says, kind of talking about himself. He says, look out. For the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those mutilators of the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and the glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he's reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, and the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, the law, a Pharisee as a zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law of blameless. So there's certain people in, in in Philippi who were questioning the unity of the church. Some were saying that you had to trust in their heritage and their good works in order to bring favor, give them more favor with God. And Paul said, Listen, if anyone should have confidence before God, look at me. I've had the lifestyle, I have the heritage, I have the, the, the persecution in terms of how much I was persecuting the church, in terms of following the law, I was blameless. And this is what Paul says. He says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Paul's life is about making Jesus Christ known. I don't mean know Christ. Guys, we want to know Christ. We want to know Christ and His righteousness. And the righteousness that does not come from, from inside of us, but comes from outside of us, given to us by by God. He says, that I may know of Him and the power of His resurrection, may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I might attain the resurrection from the dead. That's a great verse to study. beloved, this is what we're called to do. We're called to know Christ. We are called to know Christ and to really know Christ the power of his resurrection we may call, be called to suffer we may be called to lay down our preferences for the sake of others we may call be called to be uncomfortable uh, because Christ wants his name to be manifested and Paul says, listen verse 12 not that I've already attained this or I'm already perfect I believe that's what God's saying to me as a church we, we have not arrived we have obtained all this we have not been made perfect but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, you were bought with a price. The Lord Jesus Christ shed his blood to purchase the church. Christ has made us his own. Therefore, we strive to make him our own. But not just for us individually, but for the people that God has, has given us together. Because we are all part of one body, one Lord, one baptism, one body of Christ. And hear this, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's our call. We have not been made perfect. but one thing we do is forget what is behind, and we press on towards what is ahead. If I look at what God has done in the last six years at Park Baptist Church, I am overwhelmed with gratitude. I am overwhelmed with gratitude. Some of my greatest friends are at Park Baptist Church. Some of my greatest moments of ministry are watching Park Baptist Park Church Grow and people being formed and repenting of sin and trusting in Christ. To see children making decisions to follow Christ with their life and to be baptized, beloved, God is doing a wonderful work in our church. But we have not obtained perfection. So one thing we do is we press on. Christ Jesus has made us His own, so we want to make Him our own. Let's forget what lies behind and press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for our church family. Uh, I pray that you would keep them all safe and, and dry during the storm. God, I thank you for, even for this opportunity to be able to share what you've done in the life of our church over the last six years. God, I pray that we would uh, continue to press on. We would press on to the upward call of Christ Jesus. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay dry. God bless. We'll see you this week.